This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, Sports cars and Formula One. This is the final inspection show presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zaki. Inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. I'm Steve Zotke, and of course, joining me, the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Roloski. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, fantastic. You know, as we enter year 10 of the uh, lockdown here, uh, another busy week in NASCAR news. Uh, it certainly is, and uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Spring is in the air. It's a beautiful day in Wisconsin. And, uh, yes, NASCAR is returning. So Sunday, May 17th at Darlington, 400 miles on the Fox Network. The Cup Series is returning at 2.30 our time, 3.30 Eastern time. And I know there's a lot of race fans across the country uh, certainly happy to hear that. Oh, absolutely. You know, what fantastic news that was. You know, just a ton of good news out of NASCAR this week. Uh, the return, you know, with uh, with Darlington and Charlotte and how they're going to run those, and I know we're going to get into that here shortly. Uh, the return of Matt Kenseth, the return of Ryan Newman. It, uh, it's a nice change that uh, Motorsports has a good news week instead of the bad news uh, weeks that it had a couple weeks uh, previous. It certainly is, and uh, we know we've been doing this show for many years now, and of course uh, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, the original host, and he was a big proponent of NASCAR going to some weekday races, and uh, his his wish is now happening, as of course, as I mentioned, uh, Sunday, May 17th, uh, the kickoff at Darlington, the Xfinity Series will have a race uh, Tuesday evening at uh, Darlington at the same track, and then the following day, The Cup Series returns to Darlington on Wednesday the 20th for another uh, primetime show. And, uh, Jeff, I don't know about you, but, you know, obviously with the NFL draft uh, last week and all all the excitement with that, I mean, let's face it, it's not technically a live sporting event, but in a way it it always has been had strong ratings. But the ratings were huge, and uh, the American public is certainly uh, certainly, – anxious to get some sport live sports on tv real sports 
and uh, you know NASCAR is, I think, going to reap the benefits uh, that week, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. The ratings will go through the roof, uh, both with the diehards, and you'll get just uh, an enormous amount of casual viewers, people that have missed sports in general, people that have missed gambling on uh, American sports. Um, you're going to get, you know, the numbers are going to be through the roof. Now, obviously, like I said, it was a great news uh, week for NASCAR, but let's not get carried away. Some of the stuff that they're doing in Darlington is a little goofy um, with the with the weird schedule that they've got with Sunday and then the Wednesday night race. But I think that the Wednesday night race is a fantastic step in the right direction, you know. Uh, like you said, Sparky's been was calling for it way back in the day. I've been calling for mid midweek races as well uh, for years, and uh, it's finally going to happen. And I think that uh, if they have any kind of success with this thing at all, and obviously since there's not going to be fans and stuff, uh, at least at Darlington, that you know it's it's TV ratings, which I think will be through the roof. I think the uh, midweek plan is uh, is going to be here to stay, and it should be. There's no reason why NASCAR shouldn't end their season before the NFL season starts. Yeah, certainly, and and it it's interesting. Think of it as uh, as if you're going ice fishing and you're walking on the ice, <laughs> you know. And that's what NASCAR NASCAR is the first people out on the ice, and they're going very slowly, and they're going very deliberately and safely making sure and they're they're consulting with everybody because all eyes in the sporting world and 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 in the u.s are going to be on nascar seeing how this works and i think um, you know their their plan on keeping the social distancing the plan on making the events a one-day affair where uh the teams are in and out on the same day, so these all these hundreds of crew members and everybody else that, that travels with the team uh, don't have to spend the night in hotels, and they can sit there and fly back and forth uh, home right after and everything like that. Now, that stuff is all fantastic. However, yet again, it seems like the safety of the actual competitors is going to be in question a little bit. The format is a little odd. Uh, there's not going to be qualifying, except for the 600. So the first two races at Darlington and then the second uh, race at, at Charlotte, that's not the 600. There will not be qualifying, and there will be no practice. So the first hot laps that these guys are going to run in forever is going to be when the green flag waves at Darlington and these guys are pedal to the metal heading into turn one, which, you know, normally, okay, not a huge deal. But after the break that all these drivers have had, not just Matt Kenseth, who's, you know, been, been out of the car forever, but, uh, you know, all these guys with, with everything being postponed, the Cup Series is the first series to run. So you got the cars that have the most power, they're the fastest in, you know, out of the three series, uh, racing on a completely green racetrack, going balls to the wall as soon as the green flag waves. You know, so it sets up. It's going to be, uh, you know, the first three or you know, ten laps at at Darlington is always a treat to begin with. You know, it's a phenomenal track. 
but it's going to be edge of your seat. And, you know, those drivers are going to be all puckered up heading into turn one, I'll tell you that. Well, I just wonder if, uh, you know, you and I have been to uh, World of Outlaw and well, most, most sprint car races where, you know, before the feature, they let them run a couple hop hop laps. You know, get oh, yeah. you know, work work the cars up, and and plus the, these guys have to do leak tests and everything too. You gotta get the car out, make sure everything's tightened up, because you know, God knows how many cars. I mean, these guys are professionals, but nobody's perfect. You gotta make sure everything is working correctly. All the systems are running and everything, and I, I don't see why they, they just can't do a 15 minute kind of just a warm up session. You know, you guys can't race 10 tenths, but let's go eight tenths or whatever it is. Get these cars warmed up, check everything out. And then take a 15-minute break, and then away you go. I, I think I think the plus side of this is for those of us who just are more interested in the racing on the track. You know, for years we've been saying with the, with the, uh, and we, we we understand why that is because of the TV package and everything and all the money they're trying to get squeezing the most they can out of it. But this is going to be nice because uh, it looks like you have a very limited free race, <laughs> and it's basically you know the show is going to be the show finally. You know, it's not all the pomp and circumstance before and the endless interviews beforehand and everything. And you know, get the guys in the cars, let's go. Yeah, I know you're going to miss the three hours of Michael Waltrip uh, every week, you know, so so I'm sad for you there. But, yeah, I agree. This show is going to be the race. Now, the problem is with them going out on a green track and not having any practice runs, is it going to turn into a calamity where, you know, the first 10 laps of the race is going to look like the last 10 laps of an Xfinity Series race where it's just a – a demolition derby and it's caution after caution after caution and to run, you know, the first quarter of the race is going to take an hour and a half. You know, that is going to turn away viewers. That is not going to keep the casual fan tuned in when, Oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. Oh, okay. Caution. And then after 15 minutes, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then another caution, you know, so, Hopefully, there's not all this buildup to finally get sports back on the air, NASCAR back racing, and then to have it blow up in their face like everything they they do normally does. Uh, You know, hopefully these guys, you know, and I'm sure that NASCAR will talk to these guys in uh, in a safety meeting or whatever that will probably be virtual, Um, you know. Take it easy the first, the first handful of laps to you know figure out where the groove is. Let's get some rubber laid down before we start side drafting and going nuts. Yeah, so let's kind of walk through the schedule one more time uh, for maybe those listeners that are just tuning in. Uh, yes, NASCAR is returning uh, starting on Sunday, May seventeenth. Eight and, uh, days. Are, yeah, eight days. It's going to be a, a, a matinee, I guess you want to call it. Uh, or late afternoon race starting at 2.30 our time, 3.30 on the east at Darlington. It's a 400-mile race in the Cup Series. And then Tuesday, Darlington once again, the Xfinity Series, 200-mile race, and that's going to be an FS1, the previous race. The first race back is going to be on the network on Fox, and that's going to be a 7 o'clock start our time, 8 o'clock on the east coast. And then the next day, Back to the Cup Series, Wednesday, May 20th at Darlington. Once again, Cup Series, 500-kilometer race. Going to be a shorter race. I like that. FS1 at 7.30 Eastern time, so 6.30 our time. 
And then the following Sunday, then they're going to go to Charlotte. They'll be racing in Charlotte for the rest of the week. So Sunday, May 24th, that's going to be your traditional World or Coca-Cola 600, <laughs> as we like to call it here, the old World 600 uh, Cup race, 600 miles. That's going to start at 6 o'clock uh, Eastern and 5 o'clock our time on Fox, on the network. So the, 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 the two Cup races on Sunday are going to be on the big network on Fox, and these other races during the week are going to be on FS1. So then the following day, on Memorial Day, on Monday, May 22nd, they're going to stay in Charlotte. It's going to be the Xfinity Series, a 300-mile race on FS1 at 6.30 our time, 7.30 Eastern time. Tuesday, the following day, it's going to, it's going to be time for the Truck Series to show their stuff at Charlotte. 200-mile race, once again, at FS1, 7 o'clock our time, 8 o'clock in the East Coast. And then the final race within this group uh that they released uh this week is wednesday may 27th once again at charlotte a cup race 500 kilometers that's 317 miles on fs1 starting at eight o'clock in the east coast seven o'clock our time so what do you yeah, think about the the days, shrinking days, my math is uh is not yeah. great shrinking down uh the uh the, the the races making it a nice tv package what do you think about that jeff I like it. You know, uh, there's there's no reason not to, uh, especially on a Wednesday night. These guys uh, they can't they can't be racing until midnight, one o'clock Eastern. Even though with the stay at home, everybody's staying up till you know uh, late hours anyway, because no there's nowhere to go the next day. Um, but it's it's great, and I I think that it's the wave of the future. Um, you know, there's certain racetracks we've been calling for them to shrink uh, Pocono, you know, forever and, and stuff like that. So I think uh, especially with the with the midweek races that the shorter distance is, is not only beneficial to NASCAR as a whole, it's going to be beneficial, um, you know, for the fans. And uh, it's going to be more exciting. There's going to be more drama because – you don't have four hours to, to work on your car and, and try to make it perfect and make these slight adjustments. These teams are going to be making big swings right out of the gate, and some are going to hit and some are going to fail miserably. And, you know, if you get, say, Kyle Bush, and they make a mistake on pit road and they go the wrong way on an adjustment, you know, you could be running third uh, coming out of the pits and uh, 10, 15 laps later, you're back in 25th. So it, uh, I think it's going to be great. Should be interesting. Looking forward to it. And for, like I said, for a, a nation that is starved for sports, I think this could be a huge thing, uh, a huge boost for NASCAR. And I'm sure that drivers meeting, I'm sure they've already had their Skype meetings, their all their meetings online, the video meetings, whatnot. And I'm sure they're telling these drivers, this is your chance to shine. Don't drive like idiots. <laughs> so let's hope they listen to the, I'm sure, that message that they're getting from the boys in Daytona. And uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Matt Kenseth, who was on the Bill Michaels Network earlier this week. is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Racing will be back sooner than you think at Great Lakes Dragway. We can't wait to get out to the nation, nationally famous racetrack with the, all of the fun stuff you can do at Great Lakes Dragway. And on Thursday, Matt Kenseth, of course, Winston Cup champion, as I like to call him, uh, joined the Bill Michael Show and talked about his return to NASCAR Cup Series with Chip Ganassi Racing. Matt Kenseth. Matt, how you been? I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing well. I, are you in Wisconsin, or where are you right now? I am in North Carolina. We've been, uh, like everybody else, we've pretty much been home here for the last eight or nine weeks. So just uh, just hanging out. So uh, I, I guess first and foremost, this is not the way you wanted to get a ride, but how do you feel about once the season gets underway, jumping back behind the wheel of a race car? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. You know, it was obviously a unexpected opportunity. It's a very uh, unique time, I think, for uh, not just the sport, but really, really society as a whole. So, um, you know, like I said, it was unexpected. It was just one of those things that uh, that, that came up, and I think with all the all the other uh, circumstances going on and the, the possible schedule coming up and already, already most likely be in the middle of May before we get on the racetrack. And, and, uh, but mainly just getting another opportunity to get in some, uh, some, some good equipment, some, some stuff that's running up front and um, just to give that another shot and, and Kurt being there for a teammate. There's just a lot of things about it that, that felt right, you know, and um, just felt like if I was ever going to come back, um, you know, this was the, opportunity for me it's unprecedented times we live in and we are talking about you know training camps and football and spring training and getting guys back in training camp for basketball what do they do for racing i mean it's not like you just open up a track one day and go oh by the way we're back and then all the fans come crowding in i mean what what is there a plan laid out for nascar right now yeah, I think there is. I, I thought I heard today, don't quote me, but I thought today at 3 o'clock they were coming out with a schedule. So um, I, I think they have a pretty good plan in place. Uh, we just got our shop uh, back open on a, a limited basis on Monday. I was there yesterday for the first time, just kind of like everybody else, sort of, sort of, you know, working in shifts and um, taking a lot of kind of different precautions, things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like they're they're in the early stages of, of getting the ball rolling here again pretty soon. So, um, yeah, it is uh, impressive at times. It's um, uh, it's really uh, it's really really strange, <laughs> you know, all, yeah. uh, uh, on all on all accounts. So um, you know, I know sports is really the least uh, everybody's worried. It worries it's really the the health of uh, the nation and really the world, and the, you know, getting the virus under control and all that stuff. But uh, I do know that everybody is ready for uh, sports to start up again. Yeah, there's a morale to all of this. I completely agree with you. It's not the most important thing, but on one hand, it is an important thing because it takes people away from the reality of which we live. So uh, when it comes to the fans, uh, you know, the NFL, huge contract when it comes to television money. Same with the NBA and Major League Baseball. Those entities do rely on the fans. NASCAR relies on the fans and the gate uh, to also pay a lot of these bills. Uh, but they do have some good television contracts. But how much of an impact financially do you think that racing in front of empty tracks, how much is this going to financially impact the, the sport of racing? Not just for this year, but maybe for years to come. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think you can really just look at racing. I think you have to look at pretty much, um, I don't think there's hardly any industries that, 
that are immune. I mean, I was, uh, I think of just the things I was going to do the last two months. There was a huge music festival that was supposed to be in Charlotte this weekend. And uh, some of my friends were going to come down and, and tickets were rather expensive. And you know, you're not going to go there. And uh, uh, I was going to go run the London Marathon, which was last weekend with my wife. And we didn't travel over there besides all the things that go with it. So, I mean, I don't think there's any, any industries that are immune to this really. I really, I really don't. So, um, you know, as far as the financial part about the sport and how it works, I can't really comment that because I don't really, really know. I, I do, um, I do, however, believe that you know, TV revenue is by far the biggest, biggest source of revenue for, for NASCAR and the, and the track. So, um, to get back, if we could be one of the first live sports back, I think that would be. It would be bad if you can't have fans in the stands, but it would be also great, I think, for the industry, for you know, all our partners. Um, you know, Chip Ganassi Racing, but really all the sponsors, the fans, and everybody. Because I think TV ratings would be uh, would be really, really good if you're the first the first people back. Because I know that uh, uh, myself sitting here, even if there was some sport that was coming on, I wasn't really a fan of. I'd be turning on right now because I'm dying to go right. see something uh, something live and um, you know see what it's about. Well, I, I got to go back to your statement. You were you, you've been training for a marathon. Yeah, so last year, Katie and I, uh, you know, last year I had the whole year. I uh, didn't race at all. I ran a couple late model races, was it. And uh, Katie and I trained and ran our first marathon in uh, Berlin, uh, Germany together in the end of September. So uh, we did that, and I uh, had a really good time. Stayed over in, in Europe for a week and, and kind of saw a bunch of different stuff. I've never never been to Europe. It was my first trip and traveled with a couple of good friends of ours. So we had a good time doing that, and then uh, I ran the New York Marathon a few weeks after that. And then uh, Katie and I were going to go to go to London, so we were uh, kind of in the middle of training for that before they canceled it or postponed it. So, um, so yeah, we're looking forward to doing that. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of work, but it's been fun. Something to aim for. When did you When did you get involved? I mean, was your wife involved in running, or when did you get involved? In, I mean, obviously you have to stay in shape to 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 drive a car like that. But when did you get involved in that? Yeah, so Katie's always uh, ran a little bit, not really, uh, you know, competitively, never really entered, you know, many races. Um, so I guess I haven't ran for, you know, a lot of years. I think it was probably 2014 or so. I think uh, Jimmy Johnson had a 5K for his charity and asked me to do it. I couldn't even run a mile without stopping. I mean, I, I could, but it would be really slow. <laughs> so we ran that, and then, you know, I was I was kind of in the cycling at the time and, and still am in uh, mountain biking and um, so, so Katie and I actually just, um, you know, I got where I really enjoyed running with her and, uh, it was kind of our time away and kind of our quiet time. And plus we were getting a workout. So we started running together a couple of times a week, you know, just, just for exercise and to stay in shape and, and to spend some, some time together. Really. We've done that for, for years and years. And I think, uh, the marathon thing came up because Katie has a friend that has been trying to run all the majors and, and she was going to enter the lottery for Berlin. And uh, asked Katie if, um, you know, she wanted to go. Well, Katie's been, you know, wanting to travel, and she's been wanting us to go places anyway. So she uh, entered us both in it before she told me, and she said, well, if we get accepted, that'll, get, <laughs> that'll be our trip to Europe. So we both got drawn, and um, we're both very competitive people. So we trained uh, we trained, trained pretty hard. We did uh, for 20 weeks and, uh, and went over and ran it. So we had a great time. We had a great time over there as well. But the event was fun, even though it was raining and had a lot of other issues that um, – I think you probably learn about the more that that stuff you do, but it was um, it was really fun. That's uh, now I, I would imagine they give you a big stein of beer at the end of a race over in, over in Germany, right? <laughs> 
I, I did have a couple beers after the race. I, I will admit that. I was, I was ready for one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hey, uh, before I let you go, I got to ask you. Uh, obviously, being uh, the Packers fan that you are, give me your thoughts as to uh, what transpired at the end of the season and where they are right now, because that seems to be all the talk. And and for us right now, star for actual sports that are going on, this has been uh, kind of as the G turns, so to speak. Yeah, it's funny, you know. I think um, you know that's the great thing about sports is is all of us fans are also so passionate about it, right? Like you know, I can play play Madden on my PlayStation and think I know how to run a franchise, <laughs> you know, but uh, obviously, we, obviously we don't. So, um, you know, it's always fun to watch. I mean, everybody loves, you know, I guess I, probably if you, if you, if you, know, you have to work there or, you know, even for, for me when I race, you know, people that have never done it will always, you know, tell you what you did wrong or ask you why you didn't do something else or whatever it may be. But I think that, um, you know, as a fan watching, you always try to look at the, simplistic approach right you're like oh man they made the championship game but they couldn't stop the run and their offense was really not you know super you know put up a huge amount of points they're really really prolific in passing and stuff so you're like kind of waiting for them to draft some run stoppers and draft a couple receivers or whatever it may be um so yeah when they take a quarterback in the first round you kind of look at it and you're like oh man it's not gonna help now but um you never know what's gonna happen tomorrow you never know when the first guy's gonna go down and you know they they drafted Rodgers, you know when Favre was in his prime and that that worked out pretty good really good so i mean we've always uh been spoiled as packers fans for having you know awesome quarterback play for the last 25 years or whatever it's been so um you have to think those guys know what they're doing i mean man he hasn't been the gm that long and Obviously, with um, Matt LaFleur being there last year, being a first-year coach, and um, they went all with the NFC Championship game. So uh, you have to trust that they know what they're doing. Matt, it's always a pleasure. Stay safe, uh, both physically uh, from the coronavirus, and then once you hit the track again, we'll be paying attention, and uh, we'll get you on later on down the road, and hopefully we've got a season to talk about real, real soon, okay? I hope so. It was great talking to you, Bill. I appreciate it. And that was Matt Kenseth on the Bill Michaels Show earlier uh, this week. And when we come back, we're going to hear from Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media as we talk about Matt Kenseth's return to cup racing on The Fan. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zopke here, along with the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Orlowski, and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Yes, it is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, guys. It's great to be here. Well, how about that? Matt Kenseth, at the age of 48, is coming back to drive the number 42 Chevrolet for Chip Ganassi Racing. Was that a big surprise for you? In Wisconsin racing, you know, lore, isn't this kind of like, you know, having Dick Trickle having uh, starting his career at age 48? I mean, wasn't that about the time that that Dick Trickle hit the sport in the first place? So I love it. I I absolutely love it. There's no no doubt that that Matt's in great shape. And there's also no doubt that he's, he's not lost a thing when it comes to his interview skills during retirement because he's still monotone and slow with every answer. <laughs> well, I tell you what, yes, uh, Dick Trickle did uh, substitute for the injured Mike Alexander in 1989 uh, for the Stavola brothers. 
And uh, but yes, they were both at that age, forty-eight. I can tell you though, Dick Trickle was not running marathons uh, back in nineteen eighty. <laughs> no, he, but and, and wasn't even smoking a marathon cigarette, if there is such a brand. But he was uh, always chain smoking. Uh, there was no doubt about that. But uh, but no, it's great to have Matt Kenseth back. You know, I. I agreed with the idea, uh, as we discussed last week at, uh, at, at great length, of Kyle Larson being suspended and maybe even suspended for the rest of the season. I don't want to see the kid's career go away, but he deserved a punishment. And when I was thinking about possible replacement drivers, Matt Kenseth wasn't even on my, my radar screen. But when they announced this, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And one thing I can tell you, I'm not sure there's another driver you could take off the bench like that that would get more out of that 42 car. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Jeff, what, what's your opinions on uh, Matt Kenseth coming back? Yeah, like Dennis, I was shocked, too. I thought, um, uh, who was it, Ross Chastain, that was the favorite to uh, to step in, and supposedly he's still in uh, Cheap Ganassi's plans for the future, but given that his nickname is Cheap Ganassi, you can't tell me that the contract that Chastain would have signed would have been uh, anywhere near the contract that I'm sure Matt Kenseth has now. So it's fantastic for the fans. It's fantastic for Wisconsin. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, I'm cheering for him, that's for sure. Well, here's here's the deal, Jeff, though, I'm wondering, and Dennis, you can chime in on this too. Maybe, you know, with the social distancing and everything, we know – uh, Matt Kenseth is going to wreck less cars than Ross Chastain would have. <laughs> could that <laughs> could that have been uh, factored into it? Yeah, it could have. And, uh, you know, like Dennis said, and we heard Matt Kenseth say himself, he's been training for uh, and running marathons, so he's in great physical shape. It's the mental thing that, uh, mm-hmm. that I worry about, uh, the fact that you would want to run a marathon, uh, to me, seems a little crazy. Uh, so I kind of worry about his <laughs> mental... Uh, uh, facilities there, but uh, we shall see. Dennis, I thought yeah, it was interesting too. Uh, Dennis, I thought it was interesting too that uh, you know the first the first person they called was Carl Edwards. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. That's that's weird. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have called Carl. Uh, I think Kenseth is the right choice because I just see him as being the kind of guy that can can jump into the car and get up to speed pretty quick. He's always done that in his career. He's he's never had a problem with, you know, this wasn't a guy that needed a lot of testing before he first came to NASCAR way back when in an old Bush car that him and Robbie Reiser basically had mm-hmm. put together. So it's it's the kind of thing where you got a guy who's old school. Uh, in Kenseth, you've got an owner who's old school and Chip Ganassi. I think it's a perfect fit. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. You know, he's got uh, he's got the past ties with Ganassi. He's got the past ties of already being a teammate with Kurt Busch for a, uh, a while. Uh, him and Kurt Busch came out and said glowing things about each other in the media uh, earlier this week, so you know, he's going to say the right things. He's going to do the right things. Like you said, he's not going to ruin uh, as many uh, race cars as uh, as Chastain would. So, you know, it, it probably obviously is a, is a, uh, a financial move from 
Ganassi weighing, how much more he's got to pay. Kenseth is a former champion uh, as opposed to uh, Chastain, but how much uh, he's going to save by not going through a, a race car a week, basically. Well, and here's the other thing, too, uh, on this, that Matt, Ken- Matt, Matt Kenseth knows how to set up a race car. And you got two experienced guys between Kurt Busch and, and Matt Kenseth uh, and that team. It'll be interesting to see. You know, let, let, let's not forget that Matt Kenseth, Matt Kenseth was brought back to Roush to reevaluate their program uh, at the end of the year a couple of years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out and uh, just how, how much he can get out of that 42 car. You know, it, I think I saw is. somebody on TV saying that, oh, we, you know, I think he might win a race. I don't know if he can win a race. He could win a race. I don't think he will run a, win a race, not because it's Matt Kenseth, but just because of where that 42 car is. It's difficult stepping into another car. Now, they've showed some flashes this year, and Larson has looked good in a few of the races, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I'll, I'll, I'll be cheering for him, but it'll be interesting to see what the results are with the one and the 42 car. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that uh, the thing that surprises me about the Kenseth move is that, they, like you said, they do have two very veteran drivers in, in Kurt Busch and now Kenseth, where the wave of the future, and you look at the rebuild that, that Hendrick, uh, you know, is going through with uh, all the young guys, and you have the elder statesman and Jimmy Johnson, um, you know, Stuart Haas, you got uh, Harvick as the elder statesman, uh, and, you know, Clint Boyer's been around a while as well, but you also have young guys that you're trying to bring up uh, through the ranks at the same time. So that's why I thought that, that he would go young to for the guy to sit there and you know, Jordan love his way off of Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, he could sit there and, and try to get the knowledge out of the veteran driver and hopefully uh, shorten the learning curve. Sure, sure. Uh, so thing final I, thoughts, Dennis. Thing I, yeah, one thing I think this does for Chip Ganassi is it doesn't tie him into anything for 2021 and beyond because I don't think you're going to see Kenseth in that seat full-time next year, not because he's not a good driver, but because Kenseth won't want to do it full-time perhaps. You know, I think this was just a unique opportunity for Matt Kenseth to jump at because he can't do a whole lot else right now can't enjoy life why not go racing you know we're really close to to coming out of this thing as far as the nascar world goes and why not go and have some fun and and make some money and and do all that stuff um you know he's not going to race short tracks right now anyway but i don't think this ties him in so chip ganassi can have those feelers out for the right guy for 2021 go young um, but I think this is a great move because it gives him the total options of doing anything he wants to do next year, including signing Ross Chastain. So, well, you know, yeah, it's, and with it's the big great free agents for him. like Keselowski and the rest of those guys that are going to be on the market, you know, he if he wants to stick with veteran, veteran, he can go get, uh, you know, one of the big names that's going to be out there as well. And Kenseth's very sponsor-friendly in the interim. Because everybody knows him. He certainly is. Dennis Michelson, of course, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And what's the latest at DMAC Media, sir? Oh, we're continuing to have a lot of fun with our Chicago Wildfire friends and Ultimate Frisbee uh, Tea Time with the Wildfire every Tuesday night. You can tune into that or watch the replay. 
fakepigskin.com for all kinds of fantasy football stuff as well. And stay tuned because uh, the wide world of motorsports, which was just about to debut when this pandemic hit, will be making its debut soon. Fantastic. Good stuff as always, Dennis Michelson and the Polish Pipe. I'm Jeff Orlowski. Thank you for joining us. And uh, when we cover, when we return next, we'll be talking with uh, from YouTube, David Land, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke with the final inspection of the show of course brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline it is YouTube's David Land welcome to the show sir oh what a strange month of May this year is uh, but I'm glad to be on the show glad to be talking to you guys and uh, at least this will feel a little bit normal it certainly is. Of course, uh, we, you know, we've been calling for uh, mid midday races for a while here, and we're finally getting them. And uh, certainly looking forward to uh, seeing some racing on TV again. And uh, you, you, you were mentioning, and I, 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 in the previous segment, I mentioned that it's kind of like almost like the first guy in the ice. You know, you're taking those very careful steps. You know, and NASCAR has to be very careful that it's that it's not too soon, isn't it? Oh, man, that's a great analogy because there is that potential that you're stepping out onto the ice too soon and you're going to fall in and it's going to be a big mess. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my worry with all of this is that, you know, it, it's great that, that motorsports, and particularly for NASCAR, for them to come back and be kind of in the national spotlight again, uh, that's fantastic. But if there are a lot of you know, unforeseen circumstances, you know, if a bunch of guys get sick or a bunch of drivers get sick or just anything happens, it, it may do more harm than good. That's what I'm worried about. I hope it's not, it doesn't, you know, get to that point, but you've got to have that in the back of your mind when you think, Hey, NASCAR is coming back. So, so soon. Yeah. And, and uh, Ross Chastain did not get the nod as a lot of us thought that he might. And you, you have a theory with that. Can you um, talk to talk us through that? Well, obviously, we know we know the situation involving Kyle Larson and why he was let go at Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, and, and my theory was that had they signed Chastain right out of the gate, uh, it wouldn't have made a lot of headlines. And I think Chip Ganassi was put in a pretty uncomfortable position with his sponsors where his sponsors were, you know, getting a lot of bad press through no fault of their own. Well, what do you do? Well... Rather than going and getting the driver everybody expects you to get, you go and get a former NASCAR champion, a popular driver like Matt Kenseth. You generate a lot of headlines. You have a lot of buzz going into the next race. Uh, and you're going to have, you know, the headlines featuring McDonald's and Credit One Bank, not talking about Kyle Larson and a racial slur. It's going to talk about a Matt Kenseth, NASCAR champion, uh, coming back and, and potentially, you know, racing for the championship. And so I think. And then you can kind of, you know, have Matt help develop the team with Kurt Busch and then, you know, kind of ease a Ross Chastain into your program uh, where he may be able to thrive a little bit better with some of the more uh, veteran expertise. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, coming up, you know, with the IndyCars and NASCAR, we, there's, there, there, it's, it's both, you know, motorsports, obviously, but because of their television contract and that are so different, IndyCar more so than NASCAR needs 
fans in the stands for the promoters to make any money on this thing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at the beginning of next month with Texas, which I think we'd love to see that doubleheader that they've been speculating about and that with NASCAR and IndyCar in Texas. But the the one, especially in the Midwest here, a lot of people are wondering about is Road America. Do you think uh, there's a chance for Road America to happen, or is it going to be something where it's going to be limited? Or what's your theory on that? I believe there is a way better chance of Road America happening with fans uh, than pretty much any other race on the calendar. I mean, I don't have to explain it probably to your audience, but it's a four-mile road course. If there are social distance requirements uh, still in place by the time we get to the middle of June, uh, that would be the place that you could properly social distance. Now, you mentioned the, the potential of racing without fans. Uh, I know Eddie Gossage in particular has said, uh, you know, the IndyCar race alone, they are not going to run it without fans. Now, I'm guessing one of the reasons he's pushing for the double header is he can supplement the, you know, or offset the cost of running an IndyCar race with no fans uh, if he has the TV revenue that comes in from having NASCAR there as well on that weekend. Um, but I- I'm not super confident that the Texas race is going to happen. I'd love it to. I'd love to get you know, everything uh, fired back up again. But again, we, you know, we kind of have to look at this from a realistic standpoint. And if, if a track can't make it work and they don't want to run a race without fans and you can't have fans in the stands, then, uh, you know, you're kind of really in a, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, it certainly is. And um, moving over to F1. Now F1 is interesting because there's a lot of, there's some trouble brewing on the horizon, but let's face it with, with not only before this pandemic happening and sponsorship uh, is going to be so at a, at a premium, but F1's going, you know, we need to get these costs under control. Mercedes is, is, is complaining and Ferrari's complaining and Ferrari, uh, is always been, it seems like every 15, 20 years, they, they threaten about leaving formula one. I thought it was very interesting though. You brought up a, a, a point which I hadn't even thought of because, you know, Ferrari is based in Italy and Europe has a lot of, uh, uh, labor laws that are really different from what we have in the U S and they, they, and can walk us through, uh, how Ferrari just cannot say, okay, we're, we're cutting our workforce by half. So a lot of this, you know, was kind of spurred on by the budget uh, cuts, the potential budget cuts that are coming to formula one now in 2022, rather than originally proposed in 2021 due to the coronavirus. Uh, And Ferrari actually commented publicly that uh, they would be willing if the budget cuts are really, really significant in formula one, to expand to possibly uh, World Endurance Championship, build a sports prototype, or uh, come into IndyCar. I would assume just as an engine supplier, but you never know. They could probably throw some money at Roger and, and build a car too. The the thing, the reasoning for that is if there are major budget cuts to Formula One, one of the major places you can cut, uh, you know, budget is personnel. And of course, Ferrari employs hundreds of people to work on their Formula One program. And with Italy's laws, a company, I, I can't remember specifically what it is, but it's like a company uh, is classified as, as like insolvent or something like that if they fire a certain percentage of people. So I would imagine if the Formula One budget cuts necessitate, um, you know, uh, labor cuts that would put them under that threshold, they would look at other series 
are and potentially enter them. Now, again, like you said, it seems like they threaten us every 15 years. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it, but it's it's an interesting and tantalizing prospect nonetheless. It certainly is, and it it really makes you know it it does make some sense that you know if they if they do that, well then they might have to turn you know, might to turn to one of those other series. So that is a certain a, a compelling interesting thought you had there. Uh, also, uh, DTM is has had some issues too, and Audi leaving DTM that only leaves BMW as the only manufacturer in that series. And, you know, I, th- I think I think it's interesting, you know, maybe we can walk back the technology. You know, we, we've seen IMSA had this too. IMSA always embraces the manufacturers in that, but we all know that manufacturers, you know, the, what, what they do in racing kind of ebbs and flows. And, you know, they, you know one thing, they, they, they love to forget the privateers when, when things are good and they got all the manufacturers in. But once those manufacturers leave, there's the privateers going, oh, yeah, remember us? So it'd be interesting to see what happens with DTM. But uh, maybe we can walk back the technology uh, back a little bit and go more towards what they were, kind of look had that look with the touring cars. Would, would that be a viable option? I mean, I would love to see that. Uh, I, I just don't know. I don't know what DTM is going to do. I mean, that's the, the, the sad thing is the last time, you know, the DTM that we are uh, – we are currently experiencing is actually the second iteration. The first iteration that I mentioned in the video with the proper touring cars, you know, eventually got, um, uh, got dissolved because the cost got too high. So even in with touring cars, the cost got too high. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned IMSA, it's kind of, uh, it's, uh, probably not a good sign for DTM because in a lot of ways, the DTM model is similar to what the IMSA model is, at least for the prototypes where you've got, you know, a, a, a spec or controlled chassis with the, you know, engine and internals all being kind of controlled by the manufacturer, and then they get to do the body work. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen to DTM. I mean, I I just don't see how they're going to be able to remain relevant or keep that series going with BMW providing, you know, you know 10 cars possibly at the max. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Now, uh, this, it is the month of May, and it's your Indy 500 month on our channel. Walk us through that. I, I, you had your first video of that, which is Ferrari at, at Indianapolis. A very interesting video. Kind of walk us through what, what, you, what you're planning to do on your channel this month. Well, obviously, we don't get to have the Indy 500 in month this or the Indy 500 in this May, unfortunately. But uh, I figured because there's going to be that gap in content, and I know people are going to be really hurting. For uh, for Indy 500 for the Indy 500 itself, uh, I figured I'd continue to do what I do every May on the channel, which is essentially dedicate the entire month to the Indianapolis 500. Um, now I will definitely be talking about NASCAR coming back and and other things like that, uh, but I really want to focus the content on talking about the history of the Indianapolis 500, the history of IndyCar, and one of the things that of course is relevant because we talked about it earlier in the segment is uh, Ferrari and IndyCar. And, you know, I wanted to do a video because, of course, you've probably, you know, everyone's heard about uh, Alberto Ascari uh, when he came in 52. Uh, and a lot of people have heard about the, the threatened car or the, the car that was built as a threat uh, for Formula One uh, that was intended to race in the 80s. But what I didn't realize was that Ferrari's involvement in IndyCar is a lot more detailed than just, you know, two one-off entries. Uh, it was uh, it's a really fascinating story. 
Uh, I tried to tell it as well as I possibly could. I know I, I missed a couple of, uh, of things in there, but, uh, but I think, you know, it gives you, a, that video in particular gives you a really good general idea of what the history is with Ferrari in Indianapolis and kind of Enzo's, Enzo Ferrari's kind of passion and drive to try to, you know, knock the Indy 500 off his bucket list and, and do it at a uh, at a reduced cost and also threaten Formula One at the same time. It's, it's just kind of a funny story. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who, uh, Russ Lake, Hall of Fame photographer, who is actually at Monza for the Race of Two Worlds. And you mentioned Luigi Musso in there, and, and you kind of mentioned he fought, fell back. But, but I mean, I, and I heard other old-timers talk about this. They were really impressed by Musso at Monza and a hell of a driver who fortunately lost his life uh, later that summer in a racing crash. But Luigi Musso could hustle a race car, and I thought that was kind of cool that you mentioned him. Uh, really, really neat driver. And if you, anybody wants to look him up, look him up on the Internet. There's a lot of stuff in there. Kind of a sad end uh, on that. I don't want to really get into it here, but uh, the reasoning behind uh he was killed. Uh, it's kind of interesting. So if you want to look that up, any of our listeners, feel free to. And, hey, I got to give you a, a, a tip of the hat for that colorful photo of uh, Johnny Morrow at Pikes Peak. I had never seen that photo. And it's interesting. Yeah. You know, here we are in the world of the Internet and that. And, you know, just, just, just when you think you, you, you saw everything on a particular subject, something pops up. So uh, that was pretty cool seeing that. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It, it's, I, I thought I was going to have a really hard time finding material. Uh, you can find the stats, obviously, but you can't find right. usually the images to go with them. But for somehow I found this photo of Johnny Morrow at, at Pikes Peak, and it's just like, oh, my Lord, like this is a gold, you know. It's, it's, it's crazy what you can find if you Google long enough. <laughs> Very good. Uh, David, we certainly appreciate you joining the show, and uh, please, please go ahead and plug your uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, no problem. Uh, if anything, uh, thing, you know, 24-7, seven days a week, uh, I always try to talk about relevant topics as well as interesting historical uh, topics as well. And hopefully once we get back to racing and the press can actually show up at races, you'll have some at-track coverage as well. So thank you for having me on, Steve. Yeah, and, and is is one thing that's really popular is looking at the backgrounds, and you're kind of a trend center of that. I noticed the Uncle Bobby photo, autograph photo, so I love that too keep it up <laughs> there, there's a good story about that but uh but i might be able to tell it later <laughs> okay very good thank you that was david land joining us on the great midwest bank hotline as your passion outgrown your home a great midwest bank home renovation loan may give you the space it deserves visit greatmidwestbank.com today simply local lending since 1935 when we come back after the top of the hour, we'll be talking with uh, Peter Hyam, a Formula One historian and uh, author, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.